Is this chicken what I have or is this fish? What are you? An idiot sandwich. Idiot sandwich what? An idiot sandwich, Chef Ramsay. I was rooting for you. We were all rooting for you. How dare you? Congratulations, you're a meathead, son. But you know what? Don't ever put your hands in my underwear. This is the lamb Where's the lamb yeah, I mean, you really don't make friends around here, do you? I, I didn't come here for that. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Snap Back to Reality, the podcast dedicated to the trash TV we grew up with and love to hate. I'm your host, Riley Innes, and this is episode 61. <laughs> Sorry, guys, I'm a little bit thrown off. I had gotten into my groove I was like recording this whole intro and then my cat started screaming for me to play with her and so I was like I'll just start over so (laughs) um hi how is how is everyone how are you all I am doing well how have you been since the last time we spoke which was I guess what like a week and a few days (laughs) a little over a week um yeah it feels good to be back on a normal schedule, a semi-regular schedule, the schedule that I intend to release episodes on. So hopefully I can keep that up. Thank you all for bearing with me. Um, (laughs) I very much appreciate just I have so much respect and admiration for my podcasting peers who I see like launching multiple podcasts and doing multiple episodes a week and doing Patreon content and doing bonus content, all of this incredible work that they're doing. Um, and I just have to to stay in my lane and realize that that is not me. I really just do not have that capacity in me to do that much work on this podcast that I started just for my own self-fulfillment and fun. So anyway... I just, I appreciate everyone who who sticks around with me, regardless of whatever I put you all through in terms of this release schedule. But we're back, and uh, yeah, I'm excited. So this week we are talking about a weird little show, um, something that I was not familiar with, other than just knowing that it existed for the past year. Um, So this week we're talking about who wants to be a superhero. So this is the show that I had originally planned for last episode uh, before I found out that White Rapper Show was available in its entirety and I knew I had to talk about that instead. But it's kind of kind of a similar vibe just in the sense that it's a bunch of mostly white people. There are a couple of black people on this show as opposed to White Rapper Show. Um, mostly white people just acting really ridiculous. Um, it's from the same era. I think, I don't know, I think White Rapper Show aired in 2007. Uh, this aired in 2006. Um, but you know, very similar era. And yeah, it's just fun. I actually found out about it a little over a year ago now. I was listening to an episode of And That's Why We Drink, the true crime podcast, which I don't really listen to anymore just because I listen to a bunch of other like more relevant pop culture podcasts instead um but one of the hosts was talking about the show because they're a big marvel fan stan lee fan and this is the whole um it's a stan lee production it's stan lee produced stan lee hosted stan lee judged so if you're into marvel this is probably a good little show for you to watch Uh, So it's just been in the back of my mind ever since it's something that I could do just because it's kind of dumb, it's lighthearted, I figured it would be something fun and easy. Um, Yeah, and I just, you know, what do we need more right now in the middle of 2020 than something fun and lighthearted? So um, that's basically it. (laughs) In terms of my background with it, I've known about it for a year. That's it. (laughs) So the history of the show itself, it ran on the Sci-Fi Channel uh, back before they changed their name. Well, they changed the spelling of their name. Originally, the Sci-Fi Channel was S-C-I-F-I, and now it's like S-Y-F-Y. No one needs that, the history of the Sci-Fi Channel. (laughs) But it ran for two seasons in 2006 and 2007. And basically, contestants auditioned with a superhero persona, and they competed in various tasks meant to test their superhero traits. So things like bravery, honesty, uh, integrity, self-sacrifice, that sort of thing. So Stan Lee not only produced, hosted the show, he also acted as mentor and judge to the superheroes, making appearances 
um, not ever in person, but on primarily like TV screens or individually issued communicators, aka Blackberries, off-brand Blackberry looking things. Um, so yeah, he'd always just pop up on a screen somewhere. They never, I don't know if they ever got to meet him in person, which kind of sucks. I hope the winner did. Um, and the winner's character, they, their concept would be the star of a Stanley scripted Dark Horse comic book. And it says here, the, and a TV movie for the sci-fi channel. So a star, remember that folks. Uh, in 2004, MTV was considering televising the show. They even held the regional auditions, but it later moved to the Sci-Fi Channel two years later. It was renewed for a second season in the United States, and then there was a junior version of the show that was broadcast on BBC2 slash CBBC, which I guess is just like the children's BBC channel. Um, BBC channel is redundant, I realize. <laughs> in the UK, obviously that's the UK. Uh, the winner of that would just fly to Los Angeles and meet Stan Lee and have a comic book made about their persona. So I guess no money there either. I don't know if like any contestants made money off of this. I think everyone was probably paid just for appearing on the television show because I think that's just like how it works. It's a job. You have to get paid for it. And obviously the winner was on the show the longest, so they made the most money. But I don't know. I don't know if anyone got paid like as a prize. I would, I would hope that if a show has children in it, that they get paid as a prize, like the winner gets paid as a prize so they can use that for a college fund. Um, there was a little bit of criticism for this version of the show. Some psychologists criticized the show, saying that contestants were possibly harmed as they were subjected to unnecessary distress, and viewers complained about the kids crying. Now, I don't know if that means that the viewers were complaining because they thought it was cruel that these children were you know, being made to do things such that it stressed them out to the point of crying, or if they were complaining that because they're like, I don't want to see kids crying while I'm trying to relax and be entertained. Um, maybe a little bit of both. So here I'm going to spoil the season, season one of the American version. So if you, it's been 14 years, but if you are, I guess, if you're like me and you didn't know it existed until one year ago and you've just been sitting around waiting to watch it, um, pause now, go on YouTube. The entirety of season one is on YouTube. It's only six episodes long. Come back in a few seconds. All right. So the season one winner, Feedback, he originally applied as Nightbeam. Um, he reapplied as Feedback and was originally selected as an alternative. So I guess, you know, he kind of went from like zero to hero a little bit. He had, a uh, he had to apply twice with two different characters. He was uh, an alternate, and then he ended up winning. The top three, um, so the top three were Feedback, and then the two runners-up, Fat Mama and Major Victory. We will talk about all of these folks later. Uh, they were made into action figures by Shocker Toys and released among season two's action figures. I don't know who was made into an action figure from season two because it didn't say. Um, okay, so here we're circling back to the whole thing about being in the movie. So Feedback was in the 2007 sci-fi channel film Mega Snake. And although it was originally advertised as starring Feedback, he is a minor character that only appears for a moment towards the end of the movie. And I haven't seen the movie. I gather from the context of the title that it's about a mega snake. Um, Feedback's whole superhero thing is that he, I don't know, he was like playing video games and there was like a power outage or I don't know, something like lightning struck him. I didn't pay too much attention to this part where he was explaining it, but basically he's like computer related powers, electric related powers, some shit like that. I don't know how that ties into fighting a mega snake, but do with it what you will. If you feel like watching the movie, please tell me how Feedback is involved in it. Um... Season two featured additional villains, uh, and there was an overarching storyline, which I think is kind of cool. I wanted to watch season two as well, um, specifically because Trisha Paytas, uh, YouTuber slash professional troll, like, I don't know what this girl's deal is. Um, she was on season two, but season two was not available for free. It is still on YouTube. It costs like $7 to buy the season. I probably should have just bought it, but I knew I only was going to talk about one episode, so I figured I would talk about one of the free episodes. Um, but if you are a Trisha Paytas, a stan, I don't know if she has stans, fans, I've, 
you can watch her content for free or sorry for seven dollars on youtube and for free because she has a lot of free content on youtube too all right so how i chose this episode that i'm talking about so like i said season one was free that narrowed that down um i did want to talk about a season two episode because i did want to talk about trisha but you know i just wasn't going to pay the the money for it so I kind of just ended up choosing this episode to talk about kind of randomly. It just sort of felt like the right episode to talk about. But I think it kind of is the right episode to talk about because it has a pretty good mix of like really ridiculous moments and some actually like pretty heartwarming moments, which is always nice when there's kind of a wholesome moment to like bring us back to reality. Because if shit is too ridiculous, we just it's like too embarrassing to watch, you know? So this is season one, episode four. Like I said, there's only six episodes, so this is kind of smack dab, not smack dab in the middle of the season, but sort of towards the middle of the season. Um, So it starts out with a narrator voiceover, very like heroic kind of voiceover. Somewhere inside of all of us lives a hero. Um, And so it's just kind of introducing the concept of the show, which they, I guess they do in every episode, which is really unnecessary because once again, there's only six episodes. Like we haven't forgotten the whole theme of the show within the six cumulative hours of its existence. Um, So we get a previously on. uh, So the previously on Stanley puts the superheroes through like and again he explains the entire fucking season which is very helpful for me (laughs) as someone who's like giving you the entire season's like worth of context to to watch or to listen to this episode. Um, But it's kind of pointless for a viewer. But basically, previously on Stanley put the superheroes through complex challenges each with a twist. So one of the first challenges was that they went out into this public park area and they had to go and get changed into their superhero costume and they were supposed to be like allegedly the challenge was just to get changed as quickly and discreetly as possible and have no one see you in your secret disguise um and then i guess the fastest person wins but what actually the challenge was was there was a crying child by the fountain and they had to notice the child and stop and help her because that's what a real superhero would do. Um, so that was like the twist there. There was another challenge where um, they had to uh, walk a plank across two buildings and they were blindfolded and they thought they were going to fall down but it turns out that they were just being tricked and they weren't actually walking across two buildings. They were just the plank was on the ground. Um, also, what had happened was <laughs> there was one superhero whose name was the Iron Enforcer, and he was kind of a dick, and no one liked him, and so he got voted off. Not voted off, they don't vote, but Stanley kicked him off. And then as he was like leaving, Stanley was like, Hey, you're not a great superhero, but you would make a good supervillain. So do you want to come and be my supervillain and like, you know, test all of the heroes? And he was like, yeah. And so his whole thing is like his superhero. He was like an anti-hero, I guess, kind of like a Punisher figure, which I say that as someone who knows literally nothing about the Punisher. (laughs) The Punisher? Punisher? Does he have a the? the, Again, I don't know anything. Um, But he like... His, his costume was him in, like, pants, no shirt. He has, like, big, huge muscles, uh, sunglasses, and then he had this big, huge gun thing, which Stan had kept bringing up as, like, I don't like, heroes don't need guns. Heroes don't kill people. Heroes save people. Um, so, yeah, I was like, oh, yeah, he definitely has villain vibes. Like, they could definitely take him um, and turn him into a good supervillain and build off this base that he already has. So all of the heroes had gotten makeovers at one point. Um, like they, they all came in with these goofy ass homemade costumes. It's the funniest fucking thing in the world. And then like three episodes into the season, they finally get made over and like get are given real actual costumes from a props department. Um, but he had uh, his supervillain makeover. And his supervillain costume is the goofiest fucking shit I've ever seen. He looked so much more intimidating when he was being a hero. Like, it's so funny. So, yeah, that's, um, I don't know, all the important stuff that happened, basically. Like I said, I'm reading through my notes because I take notes on every little detail because I can't help it. Like, I really can't help myself. And I was just like, my God, they really did, they recapped the entire season at the beginning of this episode. (laughs) 
uh, I guess the last sort of relevant thing that happened was, um, well, I guess this is kind of relevant. So in the last episode, <laughs> there was a challenge where they had to nominate one another for elimination, but surprise, the twist was actually, it was a, to test their self-sacrifice. And one of the, there were two people who didn't nominate themselves for elimination. They asked for someone else. So someone was eliminated. So the person who was eliminated was one of the two who had not volunteered to eliminate himself. Um, so the person who was eliminated, Ty Beculus, I guess he was just like a really good dude and Fat Mama was the other person and she was like especially upset or she was like the other person who was up for elimination. She was especially upset that he got eliminated um, because she felt like everyone else was being phony by nominating themselves. Uh, she didn't think that they were being genuine and she, that in her opinion is more important than self-sacrifice, I guess. Um, so tensions kind of rose in the house after that and Fat Mama vows to beat everyone. So that is where it leaves off. Uh, so the episode picks up with a talking head from Major Victory. So as we go through and kind of meet each of the superheroes, I'll give you my thoughts on them. Um, Major Victory is like, he's kind of the most, he's definitely the goofiest one. He's maybe the one who has like the most well-rounded character or I don't know if it's well-rounded maybe just like fully realized like I feel like he's very he's really able to fully embody his character but his character is very two-dimensional if that makes sense um his outfit is very like Superman-esque it's like a red spandex one-piece leotard thing with like black pleather underwear briefs over it he has like an MV major victory emblem on his chest and a black cape so he says that they started the day off like most superheroes would combing the streets of los angeles righting wrongs and help making the city safe for its citizens uh, so we see all five of the superheroes running off in opposite directions of course they are all in their costumes anytime they're out in public they're in their costumes naturally um, so major victory he decides to do some good deeds he uh, tells a man that his bag doesn't go with his outfit he, the man is carrying a tote bag of some sort um he says that men don't carry bags like that which is mm, sexist um and suggests that he gets some spandex like he's wearing so that's great uh <laughs> so then we meet creature um creature is a white woman <laughs> with dreads double eyebrow rings double nose studs a labrette piercing her costume is a tiny little mini skirt and like a bralette looking thing with this like shrug thing over it. Um, I swear to God, when she got her makeover, she came out and her skirt was definitely longer. Like when she started in her homemade costume, her mini skirt was a mini skirt. Like, let me tell you, it was like three fingers wide. Um, and then when she got her makeover, I felt like Stan Lee gave her a slightly longer skirt, but I think she rolled that shit because it's back to being three fingers wide. Um, so she watches a man throw a coffee cup into a trash can and miss, and then she runs after him and forces him to pick it up and throw it away, which is hilarious. Uh, she, and she says it in a very, like, good-natured kind of way, so, like, she's not being a bitch about it. Um, she's also like, oh, well, there's another one down there. Why don't you get it, too? You know, you're already down there. Um, she has a little talking head here, and she says that her mission is to help protect the environment. She also says that she had a great time that morning. She went to a thrift store. She gathered some clothes and passed them out to the homeless. And then we see a shot of her walking with her arm full of clothes. She's crossing a street where the light is still red. Someone's honking at her. She hustles across the street, but there's like this slow motion close up on the traffic lights. And it's very dramatic all of the sudden. All right. So elsewhere we see Feedback, who I mentioned earlier. Um, so his... I kind of gave you the background on his like superhero persona. His superhero outfit is maybe less ridiculous than everyone else's. It's kind of just like a jacket and pants that's uh, like shiny blue and black. So it's still a little bit eye-catching, um, but not as eye-catching as someone walking around in like shiny leather briefs, pleather briefs, vinyl. I don't know what the fuck they're made of. They're shiny though. They're not leather okay so uh he stops a couple of women from jaywalking and he tells 
them that he'll escort them to a traffic light. I would definitely 100% tell a random man to fuck the fuck off if someone tried something like that. Especially, it just, like, depends on where you are, where, like, jaywalking is a way of life. I don't know how it is in L.A. Like, I don't speak for that, but I know in certain places, it's, like, if you're going to get anywhere, you got to fucking jaywalk, so that's obnoxious. He says in his talking head here that he grew up reading Stanley's comic books, um, and winning this contest would be a dream come true for him. And then the next thing that he does to like help out the citizens of Los Angeles is to just stand in front of a window display full of bras and like put his arms out and be like, no, no, children, no, please move along. There's nothing to see here. You'll, you'll learn about this later. Just like, it's all of his, his like good work for the morning is all very performative and obnoxious. So then we meet Fat Mama. Um, so Fat Mama is um, a superhero whose power, she's like the proto Lizzo, just because like her power, her like whole mission is to make you feel good about yourself and like accept yourself for who you are, no matter what your body looks like. Like shit, Fat Mama was on this body liberation movement a decade before the rest of us were. Um, so she says that she wants to win this and unlike the other superheroes, she's going to do it by being genuine and truthful. She sees a traffic cop giving someone a ticket and then she points out that he's violating the traffic laws. She says to him, you're clearly parked in a loading zone and you ain't unloading nothing. And I don't think it's fair to give them a ticket and you're not following the law. So we stand, obviously, like she is, she's the one, everyone, you know, feedbacks over here, like bothering a couple ladies as they're trying to go about their day and have a nice morning out in Los Angeles. But here's Fat Mama over here, you know, watching the cops on Cop Watch, doing the right thing. Um, all right, so then we see Lemuria. L- Lemuria? Lemuria? They call her Lemuria? I hate her name. It's L-E-M-U-R-I-A, which I would say Lemuria? Lemuria? And you would think that her, like, whole thing is, like, she's a lemur? Like, is she, like, a monkey? But, like, no. I don't even know what her superpower is supposed to be. Her whole outfit is, like, shiny gold lame spandex. And her, she's got cleavage. She's very sexy. Like, I don't know. That's, like, her thing. Um, She was also, I think, like, a fan pick, she says, when she, like, enters the house. We don't see her at the auditions. She comes in. She's, like... I was chosen on sci-fi.com or something like that. I wasn't paying too much attention at that point. Uh, But I don't know why she's doing this show because she doesn't really seem like she wants to be there. Um, She says that she's here to win. She's not fake. She's not phony. Whatever, girl. Like, literally, as I just, like, talk shit on how I don't have no idea why she's there. She's just, like, standing on a street corner looking awkward. Um, So at one point, she yells out to someone from her street corner. She says, Sir, don't forget to put your blinkers on. We're all very safe here. Um, Yeah, she's really, really helping out the greater Los Angeles area by standing on her street corner and yelling at people to put their blinkers on. And then it cuts back to Major Victory. Uh, He takes off his cape and he lays it on the ground to help two old ladies, I guess, cross a puddle. But I think one of them almost trips on the edge of the cape and she like, almost falls he catches her like he definitely saves her but he might have been the cause of her tripping in the first place he says in his talking head here that he is a former stripper who's recently decided to turn his life around see i love i told you this episode was perfect because it's episode four so all of this has clearly already been established but everyone keeps reiterating it so i recap it so that you guys get all the context um so he wants to win for his daughter who has been estranged from him and he always puts it like that like estranged daughter which is very strange (laughs) very strange um he helps little old ladies cross the crosswalk and then he moonwalks back which is it's fun so at the end of the morning once everyone i guess is done doing good deeds uh they all get a message on their blackberries communicators whatever we're calling them um so stan tells them to head back to the lair he will meet them there of course by meet them there he means that he is going to appear on the tv in front of them um so he tells them that it was very interesting to watch them all in action but then 
a smaller TV next to the big TV that Stan's face is on, flips on, and it has the Dark Enforcer on it. So, like I said, the Dark Enforcer has gone from being, like, a roided-out Punisher type to, like, a weird, like, goofy henchman kind of vibe. He's also wearing, like, I don't know how to describe it other than, you know what Buzz Lightyear wears on his head underneath his little, like, bubble? <laughs> the, the the purple thing that, like, wraps around his whole head? Okay, the Dark Enforcer has one of those on, too. It's just, like, black. So he goes on to say that he did some research on these spandex-clad geeks to help Stan decide who should eliminate, um, or who he should eliminate next. And he calls Stan boss. He's like, oh yeah, boss, I found some stuff on these guys. He, they don't, he doesn't have an accent like that, but that's the kind of vibe that he gives off. Uh, so he interviewed their family and friends and says that they've been lying to them through their teeth. Uh, and he asked, want to see their family and friends throw them under the bus? And so everyone's starting to panic. And then an even smaller TV next to the Dark Enforcer, so they're watching a TV on a TV, turns on. And the first uh, message is a video message from Regina, who it says she's Creature's friend. And she says that Creature preaches this message of being, you know, environmentally friendly, but she didn't used to always be so environmentally friendly herself. Basically, she just tells the story about one time they were staying in a hotel room together and Creature took it upon herself to throw some items from the hotel room into the water fountain that I guess is like in the driveway parking lot like area of the hotel, the front of the hotel. Um, So she calls her a litter bug. To me, this is not so much littering as it is like destruction of your hotel room. Like, what was she throwing? I don't know if she was throwing trash or if she was throwing, like, chairs. Like, what was she throwing from the windows? Um, So Stan Lee calls her out for throwing garbage out the window. And Creature tries to respond and, like, make it seem like she has some kind of legitimate response to this. Uh, But she says, it just goes to show you that there are no rules. Every choice is a conscious choice. Which, I mean, I guess I get what she's saying with, like, every choice is a conscious choice, but then you need to, like, take it a little bit further and say, like, and I chose incorrectly that day and I I regret it. Um, But Stan just hits back with, well, I guess it goes to show that even a superhero can be a bit hypocritical. So Creature has a talking head where she says that she loves her friend Regina, but she may have just cost her the grand prize. Uh, Next up is Feedback's wife, Sarah. Um, So Sarah says that she's fed up because her husband has another side to him that no one sees. And he may seem like he's a perfectly organized man, but when he's at home, he's messy, inconsiderate, and a slob. (laughs) And I wrote my notes, I was like, that just sounds like a husband. Oh... Um, so she says that whenever she reads about superheroes or sees them on TV, they're always neat and clean, but not feedback. And then it just like zooms out and she's in, I guess, his office and it's a very, very cluttered mess. But I do not particularly think that being neat and organized is a trait of a superhero. That's nothing that I associate uh, with a superhero. Um, and then his defense is that he said his wife said that he could have one room to mess up. And, I mean, fair enough, I guess. Stan says that kids look up to superheroes and you shouldn't be an inconsiderate slob. And feedback is like, yeah, Stan's right. I'll clean up my act and pick up after myself around the house more. So, good for him, I suppose. Good for his wife, really. Because I know what it's like to be that wife where you're like, yes, yes, you have one area where you can mess it up. But, like, in your heart, it's like, just pick up your shit, dude. All right, so then we see Fat Mama's Mama, Laverne. And so Laverne tells us that Fat Mama hasn't always been so accepting of her weight. Um, She went on diets with her sisters trying to lose weight in the past. This is like the weakest one for me because she specifically says in the past. So like Fat Mama can obviously just be like, yeah, I I changed. (laughs) Um, So Stan asks about, you know, this because her message the whole time is that you should be proud of your body. Then she clarifies like, she she thinks if you're unhappy with your body, you should do something about it, but she herself has gotten to the point of accepting herself as she is, which I guess is a little bit of a confusion of her message. I don't know. This whole thing is probably fat phobic and it's just like, whatever, kind of confusing. Um, 
yeah, it's not good. So then the next person is Major Victory's ex-co-worker, Austin. So remember here that Major Victory uh, used to be a stripper. So that is what this co-worker is from. Um, he looks particularly horrified as he sees who is coming up on screen. <laughs> also, uh, Austin refers to stripping as the clothing removal business, which is kind of funny. So he says that Major Victory used to wiggle and shake his wild thing for all the ladies and that he used to be known as Thong Man. And so at that point, Major Victory stands up and he like turns around and I guess shows off the the briefs that he has on over his spandex and says, I don't know who Thong Man is, but this bad boy goes all the way across. And then he has a talking head where he says Austin was confused. He used to wear flip-flops, and that's why they called him Thong Man. Yeah, whatever. It's funny. Um, and then there's Lemuria. She looks very nervous. Stan calls her out for looking particularly nervous. She says that she has some very nice friends, let's put it that way. I don't, I don't know what, how she's putting it. Um, her friend Brandy comes up on screen, and Lemuria is, like, screeching at her. Also, I love this because it's like everyone else's little video messages had obviously been filmed just in their homes or whatever. But Brandy's in front of what looks like a giant tiki bar. Like she, I guess she works at like a bar or something. But there's just no explanation for the wall of liquor bottles that's behind her. Um, and she says that Lemuria loses, uses her sex appeal to weaken mere mortal men. And she's infamous for strutting her stuff and dancing on tabletops, which of course embarrasses her. But I don't think Stan really calls her out for that. So good on him for not slut shaming. Um, so Stan says he has a lot to think about. So it's time for another elimination. They eliminate, they, they like are chop chop, like let's let's get these fuckers out of here. There's two eliminations an episode in this season. I don't know if it changes in season two, but it's it's a lot. Um, so he has Creature, Fat Mama, um, and Major Victory all step forward. Lemuria and Feedback retrieve the trash can. So first Stan calls out Major Victory. Of course, the whole stripping thing had been brought up before, but it keeps coming up as a recurring theme. He says that it was referenced in um, his friend's video, but also he points out that when he was helping the little ladies cross the street, he took off his cape. And he says, would Spider-Man ever give up his mask? Would Superman ever give up his cape? The answer to both questions is unequivocally no. So basically, it's just not superhero behavior to be taken off your cape all the time. Don't do that shit. Um, and then Stan says that the, the video troubles him to Fat Mama. This, I don't, I, again, I don't love this. He's just like, perhaps you're not so satisfied with your weight as you led us to believe. It's like, I'm, what is, just her whole message is like self-love. We don't need to focus so much on what the, the scale is saying, you know? Let's just like focus on what her actual message is, which is just don't bully others and, and love yourself. So... Then he calls out Creature for going on and on about recycling and saving the environment while being guilty of littering herself. But also, he brings up the fact that she broke the law this morning by jaywalking when the light was red. And so he says, I know that you are helping people in need, but as I've said before, you must always act in a superhero-like fashion, even when performing good deeds. So with that, it cuts to commercial break and comes back and Stan basically just announces that the person who must leave is Creature. So he tells her to turn in her costume. She walks over to the trash can. I was like, what does she have to turn in? If she takes off anything of her costume, she's going to be naked. But I guess she has some, some bangles and she takes off her little shrug thing, throws those in the trash can. Everyone gives her a group hug. Uh, she says, live hard and love harder be brave and then there is a shitty cgi lightning strike into the trash can and she walks away and so the camera kind of follows her she packs up a little bit and she says that her reasons for coming on the show was to reach a massive audience and present them with a new version of a superhero and she says that her work here is done she's had the chance to touch people's lives and with that she's gone so stan tells the others that will only get harder from there and congratulates them all on making the final four So then back at the, the lair, it's, I guess, the next morning, and the four of them are in the kitchen with a bunch of fruit, just, like, piles of fruit in front of them. 
<laughs> and so then there's this conversation that happens. It starts with feedback going, look at all of this organic food. We have to give props to Creature for this organic food, which I guess she just, did she leave it there? Like, did she go out and buy them a bunch of fruit from Whole Foods before she left as a parting gift? I'm not sure. Um, and someone's like, yeah, it looks great. And he's like, it's all raw. And Lee Mary goes, fruit is generally raw. And it's just really funny. I'm glad they caught that. So Stan Lee appears on a small TV in the kitchen and he tells them that today they're going to be meeting with some truly hardened criminals who are incarcerated as they speak. So he says that they're going to sit down with them, spend some quality time in an effort to show them the error of their ways. But they must remember that they're dangerous convicted felons, so they must be careful. So everyone's scared all of a sudden. Um, Lemuria says she's never been around criminals before. She's not looking forward to it. So it cuts to a field, like a dusty-ass field off the side of the road. And we see a bunch of inmates in their orange correctional facility jumpsuits. They are picking up trash or, I don't know, fucking breaking up rocks like it's Oh Brother Where Art Thou or some shit. I can't tell what the fuck they're doing. I'm assuming they're picking up trash. Um, let's just take a moment. This is a great time for me to pause and take a second to talk about <laughs> prison labor. Uh, I don't know too much about it. Like, I don't have my statistics here. I didn't even write notes about this, but you know, like, it's relevant. It's a very relevant conversation that's happening right now, but in case you don't know, um, prison labor is slave labor, and that should it's fucked up uh prisoners like people will say like the arguments for it's like oh they like they like to get out of the jail and it's good for them and people like volunteer for these duties but there's actually like a lot of shit that is really fucked up about it like if they sign up for it and then they decide like they don't want to do it they can be punished if they don't do this like prison labor detail sometimes it like robs them of the opportunities to get released for early or for good behavior like it's really it's just a really fucked up situation so um I don't want to go continue to talk about these uh incarcerated people's doing hard labor on the side of the road in what looks to be like a very hot dusty environment without acknowledging the fact that if these people truly are incarcerated they might be actors like I have a sense that maybe they're talking to some actors but regardless like I just want to acknowledge what the reality of what is going on in America anyway so um (laughs) they're they're picking up their trash or whatever we see like a little standoff and this is like what makes me think these are just actors um we see a standoff between one of the inmates and a correctional officer uh where she's like not picking something up and he's like you're gonna pick it up dot um and she's like nah picking that up get that camera out of my face her name is dot she has an Eileen Wernos kind of vibe, so I uh, refer to her as Eileen throughout the rest of my notes because I didn't catch that her name was Dot the first time. So when you hear me refer to her as Eileen, that's not her real name, but that's what we're going to go with for right now. Um, so a, a van full of the superheroes pulls up and they all get out, um, and we see all the inmates like staring them down, giving them the evil eye, being like, who are these fuckers in their shiny ass spandex costumes? Um, feedback says in his talking head that he could feel the inmates eyeing him. He was very nervous. Their beepers go off. Stanley appears on screen. And then he reveals that he, uh, wants to see if they can perform, perform a covert operation under extremely stressful circumstances. So he says that they're going to play something called the secret task game. Each of them must do one of the following tasks while talking to their inmates. So they either have to hug an inmate three times, brush their the hair out of an inmate's face three times, rub an inmate's shoulders three times, or sit on an inmate's lap for 10 seconds in total. He also says that if the subject is tipped off in any way that they are just competing in a contest, they will automatically be up for elimination at the next elimination. So the four of them decide who's going to do what. Lemuria calls the sitting, the lap sitting first and foremost. She like calls dibs on that. Fat Mama claims the hair. Major Victory wants the shoulders. And then of course that leaves feedback with the hugs. Um, So at this point I was like, how the fuck are they going to manage this? Because it truly seems like Maybe one time you could get away with it, but three is going to be really obvious. 
So CEO walks over to the superheroes and tells them that they have to sign a liability release. Basically, they're going to have to sign away um, that they accept any and all risks, including bodily injury, hostage situation, and death. Very casual. So major victory, like his whole thing, like he's such a goober. Um, he stops here where he's like, sir, I just have one question. Do they know this is not a conjugal, conjugal visit by me? And the CEO says, the way that you're dressed, I can't guarantee that. So Lemuria volunteers herself to go first. Uh, she says that she thinks she might have an advantage because her inmate won't know what to expect. So we see Eileen getting <laughs> Eileen getting out of the correctional van and getting led over to these two folding chairs in the middle of this dusty-ass field off the side of the road. Um, again, if these are, like, actually real inmates and not actors, like, I feel bad for these people. They have no idea what the fuck is happening. I don't know if they actually have been on work detail, and then they're like, okay, you have work detail, but it's, like, you're gonna be on a reality show today. Just go with it. I don't know what the fuck is going on for them. Um, Lemuria says that she's nervous because her inmate looks kind of mad, which she does. And she comes and sits next to her. <laughs> Eileen starts out by saying, asking her what the hell she's wearing. And then Lee Maria is like, is this embarrassing for you? <laughs> and Eileen is like, embarrassing? If Is this embarrassing for you? Because I'd be fucking more embarrassed to wear that than this, referring to her jumpsuit. Um, so then like, you know, Eileen comes on very strong initially. And I think what one of, one of Lee Maria's several mistakes that she does in this interaction is that she immediately like raises her voice to match Eileen's energy level she's like not being combative but it's hard to like yell at someone have them yell back at you and not feel combat like feel like they're being combative so it just it's not it's not a good idea um so she Lemire is asking like who she is and Eileen yells I'm a goddamn prisoner in the goddamn jail so is like in her talking head, she's like, I got to do my secret task. I have no idea how I'm going to do it. I'm just going to have to go for it and hope I don't get killed. So now Eileen is asking her, she's like, what, are you going to cry or something? And Lemuria's like, what, do you want me to cry? Do you want me to just sit on your lap and cry? <laughs> it's so bad. So then she like gets up and she tries to sit on her lap, but she is not having it. She starts yelling at her. She's pushing her off like, Lemuria does not even get on her lap. Uh, They jump up from the chairs and then the CEO has to run over and break things up and like calm Eileen down. So um, that's the end of that. Lemuria says that was really intense. She's like, that was one angry human being. And I'm like, yeah, but you were being a complete fucking weirdo and trying to sit on her lap. Um, Lemuria says that she thinks she's going to be eliminated and she very well might be. So Fat Mama is up next. Uh, She says that when she saw the inmate, she was scared as hell, and she thinks Eileen could kick her ass, which maybe she could. I don't know. Um, She probably could. She seems scrappy. And Eileen's a big gal, too. (laughs) Like, Fat Mama and Eileen are probably matched in terms of, like, size and strength, maybe, but Eileen definitely knows her way around a shiv. Uh... So uh, she walks over, she sits down in the folding chair next to Eileen. Eileen tells her just to not come up on her like that other chick did because that wasn't cool, like don't touch her. And Fat Mama plays it way more cool. So she just says that she's trying to give people inspiration. She tells her about what her superhero powers are. And then uh, Eileen's kind of sitting with her hair, just like her head bent down, her hair's kind of in her face. She's like, oh, your hair's in your face. And she brushes her hand out or she reaches her hand out brushes the hair that counts as one Eileen's like please don't touch me but she's like she says please she keeps it calm she doesn't immediately escalate so things are still fine so fat mama's like you know I could French braid your hair back like that would be really cute and then Eileen's like that'd be hot she's like can I do that for you and she goes hell no which is hilarious um but then she like reaches out quickly she manages to brush her hair another two times without Eileen like getting too angry at her and then right as um she does the third time and she's starting to get upset uh the CEO comes over and breaks him up so fat mama's feeling good she completed her task she feels good about her her chances for the day 
Major Victory is up next. Um, and instead of Eileen, they're switching out his inmate. He is now going to uh, be talking to Terry. Um, Terry is a large black man. Um, and Major Victory looks a little bit shook. And so basically the CEO says, the only thing I'm going to ask you is don't touch him. Just don't put your hands on him. Don't pet him. He'll bite you. <laughs> he says something like that. Um, so Major Victory has a talking head where he says, this guy is a convicted felon. I have to give him a massage. I think I'm going to die. So they're just kind of standing in front of the folding chairs. <laughs> and then Terry casually like flips one over and he's like, did you come to encourage me or depress me? Which is a really, like, I, I like that opening question. Like, he's not taking their bullshit. Um, so Major Victory says, I don't know if my powers can help you, but I have magical hands and I can help you relax, which is creepy as fuck. Terry tells him to jump his ass back in that van over there. Uh, he says, you're pissing me off. You're playing with me. You're insulting my intelligence, which it does kind of feel like he is. But I don't know. It kind of feels like Major Victory is insulting everyone's intelligence with his whole persona. So that's just that's just him. Um, so he walks right behind him to, like, set up his chair. Tell Terry's like, don't stand behind me. And then on his way back around, he touches his shoulder and tells him to relax. And that counts as one of, like, rubbing of the shoulders. Terry shrugs him off. He tells him not to touch him again. And then the CEO starts to, like, stride towards them. Um, Terry's like, oh, take my handcuffs off. And the CEO's like, yeah, I'm not going to do that. Uh, so then Major Victory takes off his cape and says to Terry that, you know, I know that you think it's ridiculous that you're talking to a man in a cape. And Terry's like, well, if you're a superhero, you'd take off my handcuffs, which is a good comeback. Um, and Major Victory is saying, you know, I'll take them off if you sit down. He, like, puts his hands on his shoulder to kind of, like, press him down. And that counts as two. Terry yells at him to get his hands off him again. And then he, like, puts his hands on his shoulder one more time. That counts as three. Terry's pissed, but that doesn't matter. Time's up. Major Victory got all three touches in. He's good to go. Major Victory does say that he's worried about feedback because he has to hug this guy three times. So Feedback gets out of the van and Fat Mama asks him what his strategy is. And he says he's basically just going to talk to the guy. Um, he's going to see if there's a genuine moment where he feels receptive to it. And if he is, or if there is, he'll go for it. But he's not just going to like force something. He says in his Talking Head interview that being phony isn't part of being a superhero. And he's only going to hug the guy if he feels like it. Like it, it makes sense in that moment. Which is like respectful honestly of terry's bodily autonomy uh for one thing so i kind of appreciate that so feedback goes over there he asks the co to take off the handcuffs um <laughs> the co says something about like we're about to see a live ass whooping on tv uh but he just says you know i want to i want to know your story he asked terry terry says he's doing life for four counts of murder um, someone pointed out in the YouTube comments or something, they're like, mm, yeah, I don't think he's on trash duty if he's doing life for four counts of murder. So maybe another point in the these are actors categories. But I don't know, maybe they fucking make, let murderers go out and do prison labor. Who knows? It's a fucked up situation. We already know that. Um, so feedback asks, do you not regret it? Terry shakes his head No. Then feedback asks, like, well, how would you feel if someone in your family was killed? Which I don't know what the point is. Like, do you think you're going to make this murder, this unrepentant murderer suddenly have empathy? Like, just by saying that. Uh, but, however, it does kind of work. <laughs> because Terry says that someone in his family had been killed. His father had. And so, trigger warning. Suicide. Um, feedback says that his dad killed himself. And then there's, like, this really awkward pause where a bus rolls by. Terry asks if they're finished. And Feedback says, you know, I don't know what your life was like, but I do know what it's like to lose a dad. And I'm really sorry for that. And I could use a hug. And if I could hug you, I feel like that would, that would mean we'd have more trust than just a handshake. And that fucking works. <laughs> Terry holds out his arms for a hug. Feedback goes in. And then he breaks it for a second. He says he's sorry for his dad. And then he goes back in for the hug again. And so that's like one and two right there. Good job, feedback. And then he says, you know, I want you to be strong. And he says that he's going to write Terry because um, they can't just do this in 15 minutes, but they can do this over the course of time. And he goes in for another hug. Terry hugs him and that's it. So I do appreciate that 
feedback really did actually treat this person like he was a person, like he was a human, like he wasn't insulting his intelligence like Major Victory was. Um, And he said that about writing him. I really hope he actually did. Because otherwise I do think it's a little bit fucked up that he would say that just to win the competition. Um, I, but yeah, I hope he, I hope he did if this is actually, again, if this is actually an inmate and not just an actor from Central Casting. Um, yeah, write to an inmate. Find a prison pen pal. That's something that I've been meaning to do. Um, and it's something that I started, but I kind of stopped. So this is me. I'm putting it out there on my podcast. So I'm going to hold myself accountable to it. Anyway, uh, so feedback says that they had an emotional connection and he wanted a physical connection which is kind of a weird way to put it, but that's what he said. Um, and he says that when he hugged Terry, he felt like a big teddy bear. And then the communicators beat back on and Stan tells them, uh, or he congratulates them and tells them to head back to the lair for another elimination. So they're on the roof of the lair. So this is like where they have the big elimination ceremonies. But like I said, they have two eliminations in episodes. I don't know, bother. I don't know why they bother having bigger ceremonies and smaller ceremonies but anyway they're on the roof uh they're all gathered so they each stand on these like lighted blocks in front of this giant billboard with a tv advertisement on it and then stan appears in the tv and he tells them you know once again the time has come uh he says the problem is that he likes each and every one of them and he says that he's referring both to their characters and to them personally so this is this is kind of when we get into like the heartwarming segment of the episode He calls out Lemuria first. He says that he knows it was a frightening challenge, but nonetheless, she was the only superhero that did fail at her task. And then he talks to Major Victory. Um, He tells them that he was impressed at how he accomplished the secret task. He says that he is a bright young man. He's impressed by him, but he does give him criticism. He says, I'm noticing a pattern with you. No matter what I say, no matter what I do, you just can't seem to keep your clothes on. And so he points out that he basically immediately took off his cape and his gloves while he was talking with Terry. And Major Victory uh, says the old habits are hard to break, but promises his tights will stay on. So Stan is faced with a tough job of eliminating one person once again. Um, so there are these like blocks that they're all standing on that are just like lit up with clear white light, whatever. Uh, and then there are two or three blocks down in front of them that are lit up with red light, which, so those are the the bad, the no-no blocks. Um, so since Lemuria was the only superhero to not complete her secret task, he asked her to step forward onto one of the red-colored blocks and then asked Major Victory to as well, says that a superhero never takes off his costume in any circumstance. And so then Stan's just saying, you know, I don't want to eliminate either one of you I would much rather hug you both but sadly it's time for one to go home it gets all dramatic it cuts to commercial break and comes back and then he announces that the person leaving the lair is Lemuria so he tells her to take off her costume and she takes it off uh takes off her gloves and throws them into the trash can we get the same shitty CGI lightning strike come down and strike the trash can Everyone else gives her a hug, and then we see her packing up. We see a moment where she sniffs one of her pumps, which is gross, but I probably am the only person who caught that. Um, And then she says in her voiceover that she's a little stunned. It'll be weird to leave the lair since it's become her home. Which, again, it's like, I don't, why is she, why was she even here? (laughs) Like, what, does she care? Does she want to be a superhero? Because I truly don't even know why she was there. Uh, But apparently it was like home to her. So back on the roof, Stan tells the superheroes that he's in awe of all of them. Um, He even says that all three of them almost feel like family to him and he can't put into words how proud he is of them. And they all start to choke up. Like this part actually gets me. Like I kind of, I think I cried a little bit. Just like I choked up a little bit watching. There are some moments. It gets you. So Major Victory in particular just tells him like he's so happy to be there. He feels immensely grateful for the compliments And he says, and I promise you that other than when I go to the bathroom, I will keep my clothes on at all times. Um, Fat Mama is also getting choked up. She says that sometimes as a mother, you work so hard and you can feel unappreciated. So it feels so nice to feel appreciated by Stan Lee. But then it's like really feedback that like, ooh, he gets you. He gets you. So he says that when Stan Lee says that he's proud of him, he thinks of his own father and he hopes that his father would be proud of him too. 
And he explains that, you know, when his father wasn't there for him, because he goes on to say this, I think it's in the, a little bit later on, I think it's like in the finale when it comes down to the final two, but um, he also mentions that his father was a military veteran, so after he returned home, he was in chronic pain, and that is actually what ultimately led to him um, completing suicide, was just dealing with the chronic pain. So I think there's like a level of like, even when his father, before his father died, his father still couldn't really be there for him in the way that he needed him to. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm sorry. Like it truly is getting me choked up. Um, so he says like, you know, Stan Lee was kind of acted as like the father he never had. And he says, and I know it sounds corny, but Spider-Man helped me become an adult. And that's what I try to live up to every day. And it's so sweet. Um, and Stan says he's like, Stan says he's like, I, ugh. he's like, I'm not even sure I'm worthy of that, but I'm genuinely touched. And he says, thank you, son. And then, of course, feedback is like freaking out that Stanley called him son because Stanley was the father he never had. It's just like, oh, so powerful, so pretty, so beautiful, so sweet. Um, and then that's basically it. Stanley once again tells him that it will be only harder from there, but he expects the three of them will be up to it. And they all say Excelsior. And that's the end of the episode. All right. So where are they now? I just wanted to go through each of our superheroes. Um, so Creature, also known as Tanya Kay, is her real name. She is still a working actress. She has IMDb credits from 2020. So, like, she was fucking working before Corona shut down Hollywood. Uh, she's been in Evil Bong sequels, which is fucking hilarious. I saw the original Evil Bong movie when I was in, like, 10th grade. It was dumb. It was before I even had ever smoked weed. Um, I, but I love that they're still making sequels and that our girl Tanya has a place in there. Uh, she has a Wikipedia page, but it's not connected to who wants to be a superhero in any way. Like, it's not mentioned that she was on that show at all. Um, but her Wikipedia, like, blurb is that Tanya Kay is an American film actress, television personality, and burlesque headliner who is the creator and producer of Con Tanya Kay's pinup pole show. She is a practicing raw vegan, pagan, and chaote. It, it's C-H- a-O-T-E. I clicked on it and it took me to the Wikipedia entry for chaos magic. So I guess she, that word means practitioner of chaos magic. Um, she's active on Instagram. Her Instagram handle is at pure renegade. She's certainly interesting. She does not have the white girl dreads anymore, but she definitely has the vibe of a person who had white girl dreads in her past. Um, but anyway, Tanya's still around. She's, she's doing her thing. You go girl. Major Victory, a.k.a. Christopher Waters. He has some small credits on IMDb. He was, like, in the background of an episode on Desperate Housewives, but um, not too much else. I couldn't really find him. However, I did see in this article that um, someone had put out after Stan Lee died, where it was just kind of asking everyone, like, their thoughts and feelings on Stan Lee. Uh, he revealed that he met his wife on set, um, one of the other superheroes who I guess didn't actually make it onto the final show. Maybe it was just, like, one of the auditions um, uh, was Diamond Girl, and she was introduced to him by a producer named Jeff. So whenever he thinks about Stan Lee, he thinks about meeting his wife. So that's sweet. Uh, Lemuria, a.k.a. Tonatzin Mondragon. Love that name. It's quite a name. It's T-O-N-A-T-Z-I-N. Tonatzin. I've actually never seen that name before, so I don't know exactly how it's pronounced. Uh, she has one post who wants to be a superhero credit on IMDb um, as it was a video short in 2017. So I don't know how much she's doing. Uh, according to a LinkedIn page I found, that was definitely her she is a creative entrepreneur at Mountain Beast Man Tonic. She has a Twitter. She hasn't tweeted since 2014, so not too much, um, not too many other updates on Lemuria. Fat Mama, aka Nell Wilson. She has two credits on IMDb after Who Wants to Be a Superhero. One was a game show called Bet on Your Baby which is fucking hilarious. Bet on Your Baby is a game show that focuses on five families that have toddlers between two and three and a half years old. The families make bets on what their child will do next and the money won goes towards a college fund. Which, again, that was what I was railing about, being like, if you have a kid, a show with kids on it, you need to give them college fund money. But Bet on Your Baby, that feels like a very American idea of gambling with our children. Um, 
Fat Mama appeared as Fat Mama at New York Comic Con in 2008. She has a Twitter but hasn't tweeted since 2010, so I don't really know what she's up to. Hopefully Fat Mama's doing great. And then our winner, Feedback, a.k.a. Matthew Atherton. He, again, of course, was in Mega Snake as Feedback. Uh, he has a couple of TV credits from 2018. He also appeared at a few different Comic-Cons. Um, I'm pretty sure I found him on LinkedIn as well. It said he was Web Applications Manager at the Crosby Group, which sounds like a very boring grown-up job. So I guess he's just doing his grown-up thing. And then, of course, Stan Lee. Um, I didn't want to go into, like, everything of where where is he now, uh, but I just wanted to, you know, mention that Stan Lee did pass away in 2018, so um, he just, he did a lot of great stuff up until then, was working, you know, on all kinds of different Marvel movies and television shows and things, uh, but unfortunately he has passed, so... That is basically it for Who Wants to Be a Superhero Season 1. Um, does it hold up? Is it worth a rewatch? I would say it's cute. It's campy. It's over the top. It's fun. You know, it's it's fun. It's worth a watch. It's worth a rewatch. It's a few hours that'll take you away from everything that's going on in 2020. It's obviously from a very different time. It feels very dated in certain aspects. Um... So yeah, I would say it's, uh, I definitely, definitely recommend it if you are a Stan Lee fan because he really does shine. Like he comes across as just like a genuinely good guy. Um, and then if you're a fan of like ridiculously campy shit too, then I would recommend it too. All right, you guys, thank you so much for listening once again. I really appreciate you guys being here. Uh, if you haven't, please rate and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts, uh, Stitcher, Overcast, all those other places. That's really helpful. Um, helps other people find the podcast, which is always nice. Um, subscribe if you haven't. Tell a friend. You can find me on Facebook at Snapback to Reality Podcast. I'm on Instagram at Snapback to Reality Pod. You can email me at snapbackpodcast at gmail.com. I will be back in a couple of weeks. I love you all very much. Uh, stay safe. Um, donate to Black Lives Matter. Um, drink water because it's hot out there. <laughs> all right. Bye, guys.